guy. <laughs> This is Slashers, a horror movie podcast where we sometimes do things that we're not used to. I am Jake, and with me as never before is our good friend. How do you want me to introduce you? Because you have two Instagram pages that are way more successful than mine. (laughs) I'm Becky from the Teenage Werewolves Horror Film Theme Club. (laughs) Perfect. And so today we're going to be talking about the Pet Cemetery trailer that just dropped. And we'd already discussed this off the air. This is a disclaimer. I've never done a trailer breakdown. I've never imagined in my wildest fantasies that anybody would give a shit how I would react to marketing materials. But given that it's Pet Cemetery, which was our first episode, uh, Becky was kind enough to join me on this episode to talk about whatever we encountered. Any points before we get into it that you'd like to make? People got a lot of feelings about this trailer. Holy shit. It is a lightning rod, and we'll get into it. But I think that we kind of seem to have a pretty copacetic attitude towards it. Yeah. So we start the trailer and it's the mom, Rachel, talking to Lewis and she's saying, oh, well, Ellie discovered something fancy in the woods today. <laughs> and in this, I don't know, who gives a shit if Judd Crandall introduces him to the pet cemetery or she finds it on her own? Doesn't bother me, but there are people who are literally throwing temper tantrums online about this. Is this a point worth fighting over? Not for me. I'm good with it. Perfect. I wholeheartedly agree. Thank God. (laughs) I did kind of like that she called it a charming little landmark. And, you know, whatever. If my kid stumbled onto a a pet cemetery, I could imagine being like, that's kind of weird. But we move on. We have Lewis who starts talking to Ellie and describing death. And he talks about it being, quote, just like dying is natural, Um, which I think harkens back to the book pretty well. It's a really, really tiny part of the book, but it was very interesting and kind of telling about their characters. I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, Lewis Creed, when he's talking to Rachel and talking about death, he even mentions that they got, like, Ellie the, like, little sex dolls to, like, show them the birds and the bees so that they can, like, you know, be as blunt and scientific as possible. Only a doctor does that. <laughs> yeah, right? I was like, I, I don't think I'm that progressive. I'm pretty progressive, but, you know, this conversation kind of harkened back to that. So I was like, all right, that is fair. It then cuts to the kids playing instruments with their little masks on, which I don't like. I'm just going to go out and say it. I don't like the little animal mask thing. It didn't work for me. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that either. I think it's like a weird trope that's happening quite often right now. And I'm not I'm not a fan. But you know what? Like, I guess we can wait and see how it's how it's playing out in this in the context within the movie. So, yeah, for sure. And it's kind of like it frustrates me in this regard. If you have done something in a horror movie that has been so overdone that there are pro wrestlers who rip off that material, you know you're doing something wrong. (laughs) And in this, the whole lamb mask thing has been played out. Apparently, the two directors, Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmere, Mm -hmm. uh, did this same animal mask trope in their Valentine's Day short in the Holidays Anthology. Okay. But I didn't see it, so I can't say anything, and I refuse to see it because it has a stupid animal mask. So that kind of tells you where my man's at. <laughs> they don't, I don't find them creepy, but I guess some people do, so to each their own. We'll see. Yeah, I honestly, if you want to impair your field of vision and attack me wearing a stupid mask, please do it. I will be so grateful. 
Uh, and that goes for anybody trying to assault me, whether with a butcher knife or an instrument like these children have. At that point, Judd kind of describes it, quote, folks have made it kind of a ritual. And, okay, I don't care about that deviation at all. Does that offend your sensibilities? Because technically speaking in the book, they just say that kids bury the animals in the cemetery. They don't say how they do it. So for all we know, they get a razzmatazz, you know, jazz parade funeral when they die. Yeah, no, I think that's just hinting into it, you know, like uh, the fact that they're probably going to address more of like the folklore behind, you know, the Wendigo stuff and everything. It's, It's just a little tidbit before you can get actually into the movie. Doesn't bother me though. Yeah, I actually, what's funny enough, I had made an appointment back in October to get a tattoo of a Wendigo. And then after that, I read Pet Cemetery. I watched the movie, and I was like, oh, cool. So I added a little church to my Wendigo because I thought it was fun. And then a couple weeks later, I see the Wendigo in the book that Lewis is reading in this trailer. And I was like, fuck, now I look like a poser. <laughs> I'm excited that they're going to do something with it, though. I'm curious exactly what it'll be. Yeah, it seems to be that, I don't know, the way that Lewis seems so kind of startled by everything, it's almost as if... The Wendigo is taking the creatures and bringing them to life. I don't know if I'm misreading that, but I'm down for it. I think that it's way more menacing, and I think that having some menace is good in this. Mm-hmm. I think that that's one thing that's kind of lost in the Pet Cemetery from 89, yeah. where it's just like, yeah, things are just kind of happening. There's not really, like, until Little Gage takes the scalpel, there's nothing demonic or evil, right? Yeah, it, it's missing a lot of the ambiance that the novel is so good at creating just like a ton of dread and everything. It's I'm not I'm not a big fan of the 80s adaptation. I think there's a lot of problems with it. So I'm I'm in. I'm 100% in for this. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that it's terrible. Like, it doesn't do what The Shining did and like bastardize the material. It just leaves stuff out and kind of misses the point. And I think that's, you know, almost equally as felonious in my mind, but it's not going to break my heart. Right. So from there, we go to the spirals on the trees, which I was actually super stoked to see. I know it's kind of one of the more subtle parts of the book, but in it, King says, quote, the spiral was the oldest sign of power in the world, man's oldest symbol that the twist of bridge may exist between the world and the gulf. And this is talking right after Gage Creed has died. And it's this kind of perpetual symbol throughout the story of time and power. And it's really interesting. So I'm down for it. Is this a positive change? I think anything that they can tie in, even if it's not a major element of the plot, I think just like getting those little Easter eggs from the novel, I'm, I'm always game for that, you know? Yeah, so long as you're not boring the fuck out of me, yeah. being accurate doesn't bother me. Like if you're going to be the shining that starred the dude from Wings, you're going to bother me. But if it's just like, <laughs> oh, here's a bunch of Easter eggs, I'm like, down AF. Yeah, it doesn't mean that we'll actually see it like fleshed out any further than that, but that's that's fine with me. Yeah, and that's one of the things too that like, so people get like super all up on when it comes to The Shining, right? They get the room numbers wrong, they all these little details wrong. But it's funny, not all people are going to go to the lengths of Stephen King fans to be upset if something's not right. Yeah. But I will tell you as a Marvel fanboy, when you make a reference to some obscure comic that I read 15 fucking years ago, I get super jazzed. So if they do the same kind of thing here, it works out. Yeah. And it's more content for us to talk about and for weird YouTubers to be like, oh, did you see this? <laughs> That's true. So then we have Ellie looking at uh, church who's walking down the street and she's like, oh my goodness, you're alive. And then she's hinted at she's going to go splat when you see the truck. And I think that's that's the big change in it. 
Right. And I think that we have both kind of agreed. I think the thing that pisses me off most about this trailer is the spoiler element, not the change. Do you agree? Absolutely. That's It's unfortunate that they, they ruined that surprise for us. Although I think maybe for some people, at least in my... In my close personal circle, I, I some people who are very, very upset about it, they're using this opportunity to kind of come to terms with that change. But for me, who it's not bothering me, I wish that I would have got to have the in-theater experience of, of seeing the shock of that because I didn't see it coming at all. It, the change doesn't bother me. Really, I mean, as a parent, like, you shouldn't care which one of the kids it is, you know. Definitely in the novel, he's got such a very strong attachment to Gage over Ellie, but I mean... In reality, like, it's one kid or the other. It's horrible. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that there's a lot that you could even toy into with this, especially, like, you know, Ellie kind of has hints of the shining or the shine or whatever you want to call it in the, the, you know, Stephen King pantheon. Absolutely. And I think that having her be the conduit who ends up coming back makes a little bit more sense in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So I'm totally okay with that change so long as it's good content. And this is something I've kind of like almost become a grief counselor on Instagram and Reddit to people being like, look, if you don't like it, it doesn't change the original source material. Just look at this as some bullshit fan film on YouTube and move on. Like, be an adult, disconnect, and go away. Right. So from there, we have Lewis is going to bring her back. Then there's, this is something that's kind of interesting. He prompts Ellie to hug Rachel, and it's very, you know, tense. She's, like, crying, uh, which is an interesting confrontation. I'm kind of, you know, excited to see play out. But then later on, Rachel is in her bedroom and there's a kid who's tormenting her with a bunny mask on and doing the very typical and drawn out trope of, oh, I'm going to tilt my head askew slightly and be very menacing. (laughs) And my question to you, do you think that's a different kid than Ellie? Because Ellie already has been established with a cat mask. Um, You know, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I mean, they show so many of them on the poster and in the previous trailer there's like 10 kids in the previous trailer so who knows i'm not sure yeah, i kind of like the idea that it would be like a whole horde i think that's way more mm-hmm. intimidating because especially i mean i think we can both agree even in the book the idea that it's a, a three-year-old with a scalpel and a cat can kill judd crandall and rachel right. and almost lewis yeah, a is stretch. a little bit hokey uh without there being yeah visually i think you can do it but it takes somebody who's like a master craftsman or woman as far as setting up the ambiance. So whatever. Uh, we get to Zelda in this one. What did you think of the unveiling of Zelda and her, um, I forgot what her spinal condition is. Spinal meningitis. There we go. So, I mean, you don't see a ton of her. You're not seeing, you know, any any face shots or anything. But I mean, like what they showed, I think, looked fine. My fear is that... Once it's like fully CGI'd and like you're probably gonna, I'm, I'm my expectations are not high for that end of it, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think one of the things we talked about on our episode on Mimic is you can do CGI, but you just use it as a component. Don't make it center stage. I think that's one thing that so many people are, have this like brazen attitude of like, look at how great my computer generated image is versus, hey, I can't really make a puppet to do this, so I'm going to use the CGI, but I'm going to use a lot of shadow, and I'm going to kind of hide it. 
I think that's one of the things, just like you're saying, when it's all said and done, she's going to look like Thanos with a butt chin and the front focal point, and it's going to be really hard to hide any kind of imperfection. Yeah. And so we get the famous line, sometimes dead is better from Judge Crandall, and it ends with Ellie looking like she's going to be uh, chopping his Achilles tendon, which is in the movie and the book, so okay. No surprise. Overall, what kind of grade do you give this trailer? Um, I mean... I liked everything that I saw, except for except for the animal mask stuff. But man, I want to be really harsh on it and give it an F just because it's so spoiler filled. <laughs> it's horrible. Exactly. It's horrible for how much they showed us. But what they showed did look good for me. So, I mean, I would I would say it's a B. Yeah. I mean, I went into this whole thing with admittedly low expectations. Like I didn't even bother seeing Terminator Genesis because everybody talks so much trash about the guy who's playing Lewis, mm-hmm. Jason Clark. Mm-hmm. And so when I looked at this, I'm like, oh, he's probably going to curse and doom another franchise, whatever. But like you said, everything was fine except the stuff that I'd seen before. Like, I don't mind that you're taking the this inspiration and running with it. But when you're taking the inspiration and running with it, but then also clinging to something that you did in a horror anthology years ago that has been done so many times before. Right. That's kind of weak. <laughs> Maybe we can do a follow-up episode once the movie finally comes out, but I think just like you, I'm cautiously optimistic, and I'm not going to let it ruin my day, and if I can give one conciliatory message out to anybody out there who is pulling their hair out and freaking out, it is a fucking trailer. You do not have to see the movie. You don't have to watch the next trailer. It's going to be fine. It's true. And at the end of the day, like good or bad, you're getting another Stephen King adaptation. And the more that come out, the more that are going to come. And we're in the middle of a renaissance. So people need to quit complaining. (laughs) Seriously, we talk about it on the episode uh, that we just recorded for Salem's Lot. Like you're going to have a lot more stuff like this come out because you already have pre-generated SEO and metadata content. People know Stephen King. And when you have as much work as he does, this is a great thing. So if you like it, great. If you don't, be patient because something else is going to come down the line that you'll probably like. It's true. (laughs) So for Becky, I am Jake telling you, as always, to go out there and do something you love and remember that all work and no power play makes Jack a dull boy. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) 